Good morning, afternoon, and evening, depending on when you're listening to this, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode zero of Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Today, uh, guiding us through the field of tulips are uh, three individuals, myself, Aaron Cunningham, Travis Wright, and Matthias Crook. And together, here today, we are going to give a brief introduction as to who we are and give you some insight as to what we hope to accomplish through this podcast. So, uh, to kick things off here at this time, I'll go ahead and turn things over to Matthias Crook, the founder and visionary of this podcast, to share uh, his walk with Christ and what has compelled him to be a part of this podcast. Matthias? Yeah. Um, so, maybe it'd be helpful if we laid out exactly what we're planning on doing with the podcast. Um Basically, the, the goal is to walk through chapter by chapter of the Institutes of Calvin. Um, and I think that the reason that we decided to do this, and I don't want to speak for, for everybody, um, but particular, particularly for me, um, I think I would belong to a camp that would mainly uh, affirm, or at least in, in word, affirm, that we, you know, we follow the institutes, we approve the institutes, we like the institutes, but as far as I can tell, just like me, many of the people who say that probably haven't actually read them. Um, so I think that this is going to be a good project to kind of just go through and figure out, do I actually believe what it's uh, what, it's, what it says? Um, how much do I actually affirm what is being written, what's being presented? Uh, and that's really all the, that's really all I'm trying to get out of this, is just trying to figure out uh, how much I actually know about what I claim as my my belief foundation. Um, so I'm actually coming up on ten years of being a Christian. Uh, I was I was saved in 2010. Uh, I was living in South Dakota at the time, and uh, I was just I was brought to a conviction of my sin. Uh, I wasn't looking for it. I just didn't necessarily want it. Um, but that's where I was left, uh, was just staring at my sin compared to the holiness of the God above us. Um, so when I left South Dakota, I kind of fell into a lot of, uh, bad, harmful theology. Um, a lot of it in the, uh, word of faith, prosperity, and charismatic movements, um, I, it did a lot of harm to my individual walk, to uh, the people around me. Um, and so I, I, when I started coming into more of a uh, reformed understanding of theology, uh, I, I kind of I latched onto it as fast as I possibly could because I wanted to get as far away from what I was coming out of, if that makes any sense. Um, and then, of course, like, any, like anyone, you go through the cage stage, uh, and you alienate a lot of people, uh, which I did. Um, and so now I'm just kind of trying to work through that. So it's been a fun 10 years, I guess you could say. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. And I don't want this podcast to be any kind of alienating uh, platform. Just because we're going through the institutes of John Calvin doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to agree with everything that we read in it. So I'm... I'm wanting this to be more of a, an open discussion of what it says, whether or not we believe it, whether or not we find it biblical, um, and then we can come out of it with our own understandings of everything. I, I don't want it to be alienating or that we, you 
know, we are only looking to, you know, preach to reformed white middle age to young men. So, right, absolutely, yeah. And I, uh, sorry to cut you off. Uh, I I totally agree with you. I think that there are a lot of people who fit that, you know, white middle aged uh, reformed men who would say that they're Calvinists and that they affirm everything written in the Institutes. But I think you're absolutely right. I think that a lot of people actually haven't dug into what Calvin said in the Institutes, uh, where he was coming from, what his mission was in writing the Institutes. And uh, consequently, I think a lot of people kind of have this uh, caricature or the stereotype of what Calvin is and what he believes. And so I think it's awesome Matthias, your vision to just clearly communicate what the text actually says, and uh, then we can kind of discuss through where we think Calvin's coming from. Absolutely, and I, I actually I don't know, Travis, where what is your background? Are are we kind of uh, are we on the same footing, or do you have a different background than I do? I'm I'm curious. Yeah, so um, I actually have a pretty different background as far as how things developed. Um, um, I know you said uh, that you. Uh, uh, you're coming up on 10 years uh, uh, as being an established Christian. So um, did you, and I actually have a question for you if, as far as that goes. Um, did you grow up in a uh, Christian household or? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I did. Um, my, I think that my raising was not so much, um, I don't know how to put it. It wasn't like expected of me to, you know, to perform certain aspects. I, I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to get baptized, but my parents hadn't seen the fruit of the spirit in me. And mm-hmm. so they told me no, but there was never a conversation of why they told me no. It was just no, mm-hmm. um, which I, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I was raised in a Christian home, but those conversations never really took place, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sure. No, and uh, yeah, I was raised in a Christian home, um, always believed in a God uh, growing up, and uh, it was my freshman year of, of high school that I finally realized it's, about, it's not just about believing in God, it's about being uh, a self-sacrifice and understanding what he did for us. And so I didn't fully realize, like, this is a devotion of giving up my life because he essentially gave up his through his son. So anyway, um, but having said that, I think I'm going to be a very interesting one for this group because it's only been in the last two weeks that I've kind of come around to reformed thinking. Um, So I am, it's funny because it it feels like almost a completely like renewing of my faith in a way. Um, I mean, throughout college, throughout high school, I've been you know, in different uh, study groups and different, you know, all these different kind of uh, contexts. But, uh, no, it was just just very recent that, because uh, um, I had been fighting Aaron the, on this for a long time. I still got, and I say, I'm like got a 5% Arminian left in me that uh, <laughs> you guys are going to have to beat out of me. But So I'm very sympathetic. I'm very sympathetic to that. Uh, but... Uh, no, and I uh, really am very interested in what this is going to do because I think um, I still have plenty of questions. I have a tremendous amount of questions. Uh, Aaron can attest to this in the last week or so. I've just been like, oh, well, wh- what do we think about this? And uh, what what kind of resources can I use for this? And so it's been actually really cool. And uh, um, I was going to say, um, I f- like, I don't like the fact, like, I mean, because we were arguing about this, Aaron and I, 
since like my sophomore year of college. So I mean, this goes back years, and we've just kind of been very politely but butting heads on this. And it wasn't until like this recent trip we had together. Actually, it was back when we went to Manhattan to meet that friend um, that uh, you said a few things that really, really made me start to think. So it was kind of then when I was like, actually, like, okay, maybe there's more to this. And uh, yeah, so I am here. I think my purpose in being in this group is to kind of like as fresh eyes to kind of ask questions and just to kind of to learn more about the way this is being thought. And also I just want overall um, glory to be given to God and that he would be, that he would have edification through what we do through this, you know? Yeah. And yeah, you're going to make a good Calvinist. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, Travis, I, uh, one of the reasons I think that you're a great addition to this cruise, exactly what you said, uh, you're fresh into this view, and there are a lot of things I think Matthias and I take for granted and have put as part of these caricatures of what it is to be a Calvinist that you haven't had time to, to feel out yet. And so I think you'll be a really good kind of safeguard uh, to make us actually articulate how we come to the conclusions that we've come to and whether or not those are the conclusions we should be drawing from what's been written in the Institutes and what's expressed by Calvin, and most important of all, what's reflected in the canon of Scripture. So we, uh, we're really excited to have you as a part of this. Yeah. So I guess that leaves me, uh, unless, Travis, do you have anything further you wanted to add? Um, not legally, but... Uh... <laughs> Okay, well, don't do anything illegal. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, you know, I didn't lose a bet or anything to get here, so. That's, <laughs> I appreciate you putting that on the record, so. Yeah, we're good. All right, well, um, I, too, was born in a uh, quote-unquote Christian home, whatever that means. Um, and I say that a little bit glibly because I think that's a phrase, obviously, all three of us have thrown out there, um, but what does that really mean? I guess it means we had parents that... Um, were active in their faith and encouraged us to be active and praise the Lord for that. I think that's a great thing, but it obviously doesn't make us Christians. And so I uh, demonstrated that point in spades when I was three years old. I remember very distinctly being in church at second service and my parents um, had my sister and I there. There must not have been any kind of a youth Sunday school program during that sermon. And our pastor was uh, very, very long-winded. In fact, Travis, I think you were still at North Oak at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, the pastor was going on. It had fallen well past noon, and so it was past my lunchtime. And I noticed they were passing out these little trays of food and little trays of juice. And I thought, oh, that's so thoughtful. They knew that he was going to go long. They brought snacks. I was used to getting snacks in the youth Sunday school. And so I thought, that's what this is. And so the tray came to me, and I naturally reached to grab one of the wafers. And my mom slapped my hand. And I was a little taken aback by this. And so I latched on to the tray and proceeded to <laughs> physically wrestle her for the communion tray. And all of this wrestling must have jostled my father to wake him up from his nap. Uh, and he reached around my mom and he thumped me on the back of the head uh, to temporarily incapacitate me long enough to pull the tray away. And so we got home, and I was indignant with my mother, and I said, how could you deprive your son sustenance? Because uh, that's how I argued as a three-year-old. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't I, I want snacks now. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I probably said, how come I get no food? And, um, and so my mom, um, she explained what communion was to me at that time, explained that it was only for believers. And I said, all right, well, how do I get in on this action? And so she proceeded to lay out the gospel message and explain all the truth claims and the doctrinal elements that I had to accept. And I'm sure she did a nice job. And so I said, all right, I'm in. And she, being a wise mother, said, are you doing it for, uh, you know, Jesus Christ and your conviction of sins? Or are you doing it for the wafers and the juice? And I lied. And I said, <laughs> oh, I'm doing it for, the, uh, for Christ. Uh, but I absolutely was doing it for the wafers and the juice. So that was my very auspicious and sincere uh, beginning into Christianity, I'd like to think I've become a little more genuine in the last 22 years, but I guess I'll leave that for other people to judge. Um, growing up through elementary school, you know, I was very similar to both of you, attended church frequently, probably knew all the Sunday school stories, knew the Sunday school answers were always the Bible, Jesus, God, um, stuff like that. And uh, and then it wasn't until uh, middle school that I kind of started grappling with, um, am I really saved? Um, I know I've said these things, I've said the magic prayer, I've taken communion, am I really saved? And I kept rededicating my life to Christ, and finally my youth pastor pulled me aside, and he said, why do you keep doing this? And I said, because I keep sinning. And so he had explained to me for the umpteenth time what grace is and how that works, and just because we keep sinning doesn't mean we're not Christians. And, um, and then it wasn't until high school I started to realize not everybody else really believed the same things I believed, and they started to ask me really hard questions about, why do I believe in this guy called Jesus? And why do I believe the Bible can be trusted? And so in middle to late high school, I started really studying apologetics and understanding how to defend the faith. And I started amassing a lot of head knowledge, uh, but I was still a very self-centered person, still very much felt, um, I guess like a Pharisee is probably the best way to explain it. I knew a lot about the Bible, uh, but it didn't translate into the way I treated people all the time. And so it wasn't until I went off to college um, that I got into Christian community with one of their campus ministries and really experienced for the first time what it looked like to live my life for Christ 24-7 in community with other believers, being held accountable, not just on Sundays or Wednesdays, but every day. And so that was a huge part of my walk. Uh, and then my sophomore year of college is when I really got screwed up and became a Calvinist. <laughs> and uh, I had a mentor um, ask me what I thought about predestination. And I told him, I think it's a bunch of garbage and that's uh, a loving God wouldn't do that. And he challenged me to read a book by A.W. Pink called The Doctrine of Election. And I read it fully intending to disprove all of his arguments and dissect them and point out how he came to the wrong conclusion. And one by one by one, he picked apart all of my arguments and made me see that scripture is unequivocally clear that God chose me way before I chose him. And it wasn't based on anything I did, but by his grace alone. And so that's when I surrendered myself to what I believe to be the true gospel message, um, what I think a lot of people call Calvinism. And so that inspired me to continue to grow in my faith uh, and to meet with guys like 
uh, you, Travis, and you, Matthias, and discuss these things uh, to challenge us to grow in our maturity and in our Christian walk and to help other people understand the true biblical gospel message. Amen. So, Travis, you said that you just recently came to an understanding of Reformed theology, or at least you you're, you just recently affirmed it. Um, yeah. What do you mean by that? Is that just an affirmation of the doctrine of predestination, or uh, is there more to it? Or what uh, What exactly do you mean by what you said? Yeah, so um, I'm trying to think about how to word this the best way. Um, I guess it'd be the best way I can put it is the questions that I had um, that I gave to Aaron, he answered properly. Like basically, basically one of them would be um, uh, the problem of evil. We've talked about this a lot, um, Aaron and I. And the phrase Aaron said that I don't know if you were directly quoting John MacArthur, but w- after I watched the uh, uh, his uh, problem with evil sermon, it really rang true to me. Um, the uh, the thing where he says, um, "I would rather have a God who's in control of evil." than a God who evil got away from him and he's trying to fix it. And so that's one of the points about how God cannot be sovereign, God cannot be all-knowing and omnipotent, and evil is something that he's not in control of. So that's a huge point. Um, I'm trying to think of another point that just recently— See, now, I've heard Aaron say that exact same phrase, and I did not know it didn't originate with him. So for a long time, I thought, wow, that was such a wise get, thing of Aaron to say. We're going to get strikes, and we're going to get freaking off. Well, so my defense to that is, uh, you know, Solomon said uh, thousands of years ago that there's nothing new under the sun, so why should I have to cite any of my sources? <laughs> this is divine wisdom that's been around for forever. I, yeah. I have thought what you, like, I've thought of that phrase so many times since I've heard you say it, and I thought, man, I'm so lucky to have a friend like Aaron <laughs> and here yeah, it is a... you just you lied you lied to like... me <laughs> okay well, so I... from from here on out anything wise you hear me say go ahead and assume it came from Sproul <laughs> MacArthur or scripture see I was gonna say I feel like uh, that the great takeaway from this is even from a young age age of three Aaron has always been a liar so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so, but um, also, uh, just in terms of, uh, I mean, it, it's funny. There are these questions of like, uh, one that I argued with was, uh, I think you had brought this up. It's a, one of John Piper's uh, quotes, is that I, I said the point to Aaron. Th- this one we haven't actually talked about in a while, which I'm interested. Uh, but uh, one of the quotes, like I was saying, if predestination, if uh, election was true, there would be no need for Jesus. And you pointed me to a quote of John uh, Piper that was, uh, if a nail is destined to be hammered into a plank, um, uh, I'm going to botch this now because I'm going to, if a nail is destined to be uh, hammered into a plank, then the hammer is necessary to be present. To something to that effect. And Man, the, I, uh, I'm glad you remember that because I don't remember that at all. <laughs> yeah, I think you, I think you, uh, you may, and you may not have actually directly quoted it, but you like brought me to a video to talk about uh, that because I do remember bringing that point up, saying, you know, Jesus wouldn't be necessary if, uh, if, uh, 
uh, it's all pre- predetermined. If it's all, it's like no, no, no. It's just fulfilling. It's just fulfilling everything that he said he was going to do. So, uh, but yeah, no. And like I said, I'll probably come up with more answers to say, yeah, this is the way I used to think on this, and this is the way now I think. But like I said, I'm very, very fresh in this. So I almost feel, in a way, underqualified. But at the same time, it's going to be very effective, too, because I have plenty of questions for you for the coming uh, casts. I think uh, the first requirement for being a part of this podcast is to be wholly underqualified. Oh, well, then I can't <laughs> uh, be a part of this. Oh, oh just... you're qualified? I'm overqualified <laughs> for this, actually. Oh, man. Oh, um, really? <laughs> now, one issue I've never had a problem with is total depravity because <laughs> I, have, I have always thought of myself as dirt, so, and nothing more without that, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Jesus called us dirt in the parable of the soils, so, right. I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the question of, is, what kind of dirt are you? Right. No, and that's, and that's kind of what I'm coming from. Like, we come from the earth, you know, we're the spirit breathed into us, so. Well, that's it's all carbon. So, uh, what what denominational background are you? I'm, I'm assuming if you're friends with Aaron, maybe there's uh, some Mennonite background. Is that true? Uh, well, actually, so my um, my mom grew up in a uh, uh, Mennonite uh, church, like in her growing up years, and my dad grew up Catholic, but he didn't do. He was not a Catholic. He just didn't care. Um, but uh, we originally went to North Oak with uh, with Aaron, and then we went to this uh, non-denominational church that. Uh, um, it made you feel good. Like the church is, I'm not saying they do reach a lot of people. And I think their small groups do probably a pretty good job, but it's still, it's, I feel like they're, uh, they're making weak Christians. And, um, I don't want anyone to be insulted by that. In fact, if you're insulted by that, challenge me, get deeper in your faith. I mean, that's the whole point. So, no, it wasn't actually until college I got involved with uh, a different church, a church that uh, was hosting Christian Challenge, and they would definitely, instead of just picking and choosing the uh, the verses that would go along with a topic, they would actually like, all right, let's break down this passage of Scripture and let's see what it actually has to say about our life. And I definitely appreciated that a lot more than just like, all right, well, it's time, you guys got to be good. And and this is what God says about being good. And none of the pastors talk like that. And I, I'm still <laughs> friends with all those pastors. I'm still friends with a lot of people who go to that church. Some of my family still goes to that church. So right, yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, when I when I was led to Christ, uh, the guy that was discipling me up in South Dakota um, used to say to me over and over, basically something along the lines of, um, when it comes to Christian men and women his respect is only for those who will bow to what scripture says, regardless of their own biases, regardless of what they believe, but they will bow to what the Bible says. Um, and that, that stuck with me, um, when I moved away. And so when I was kind of wrestling with my own theological ideas, cause I didn't really have anybody down, uh, down where I live now, uh, t- to come alongside of me and to, you know, disciple me the way that he was, um, it still stuck with me that you know the respect for Christians who who will bow to Scripture regardless of their own biases and beliefs, um, mm-hmm. you know that's that's the mark of a Christian. Um, so it is interesting that when when you do come to a knowledge of Jesus and you you love Him, there is this love of His Word and uh, this automatic 
response to when people are you know let's walk through it let's explain through it let's let's delve into it deeply Mm -hmm. um because you can just tell you can tell that there's a difference especially when you're a christian um there's there's a definite difference on the way that it affects uh your spirit and the way that you think and the way that everything around you um you know the way that you interact with everything around you Mm -hmm. so i i can appreciate what you're saying yeah yeah absolutely and uh no, and I definitely think uh, I don't know where this is connecting in my head, but uh, just recently having kind of like feeling like, and I think this is where the cage tapes come, where they um, uh, it feels like you know the truth has been hidden from me this whole time, and that you're like this is what my cousin was saying. He's uh, he went to a seminary here, uh, Midwest Baptist Theological Seminary in uh, Kansas City, and. Uh, he uh, was kind of describing the cage stage to me, and uh, um, I don't mean to be mean to Aaron. I love Aaron dearly, but uh, I do remember a little bit, a uh, little bit of uh, when that when that first went off because it kind of shocked me when I first heard when what Aaron was starting to believe. I was like, "What? How could you believe this?" <laughs> I'm and not so, sure Aaron ever came out of the cage stage. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I'm still there. <laughs> and, uh, well, and see, what I was gonna say is, I feel like I may be the only one here who doesn't have one because I just kind of one day I was just like, okay, yeah. Like it just kind of fell and made sense. Like I haven't, haven't uh, been, it just makes sense now. I don't know. But I mean, this is me. Yeah. Travis, you're like, as always, you're kind of a broken person. And um, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like God emptied the, his like vial full of like kindness when he was creating your soul. Um, because like you could be, facing the most adverse and hostile um, opponent in an argument and your capacity to just lovingly follow truth and just consistently point to truth in a loving way is unfathomable to me. I don't know how you communicate without screaming at people. Uh, And so, yeah, I totally believe that you wouldn't have a cage stage at all because you're just encouraging. (laughs) It's very encouraging. It's not, it's, uh, yeah, no, I think, um, I think in that phrase, uh, that Travis is a broken person, definitely hit it on the head there, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, uh, no, and I'm very excited, gosh, I see, and I even forgot what I was just talking about, I was talking about the cage stage, talking about all this stuff, and, no, well, I, I was, hopefully, yes. hopefully through this study, you can kind of bypass the cage stage because it does hit like, I mean, no matter, no matter what you're getting into, I mean, not just, you know, Christianity or reformedom, you know, when anybody comes into a new ideology, like there's a cage stage. Um, so hopefully through this, uh, we can all learn how to not be <laughs> depraved cage stagers. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I remember what I was going to say. What I was going to say is uh, talking about this when, when witnessing uh, this, I, I, I another argument I brought to Aaron was the fact that I was like, well, I feel like Calvinism, if you believe everything is everything is predetermined then we can be lazy and we don't have to have any persecution to do anything. And Aaron said to me, like in Aaron's blunt fashion, it was a very good point, but it's name me one person you know who believes this, who is not on fire for Jesus. And I could not point to a single person. I, I feel like anyone who has kind of come to this mi- this this mindset, it gives them almost more of a purpose in a sense. Hmm. Because then they feel like, okay, if God is in control, God is divinely sovereign, God is all-powerful, all then 
he's obviously if, if he's revealed himself in this way, then obviously we need to be doing something. Absolutely, and I think that is again the goal of this podcast. Um, and by way of wrapping things up here, uh, I th- I think that that's something we can look forward to working through as we go through the institutes and looking to see how they do nothing more than reflect what the gospel message is uh, from a biblical perspective and and where they don't, if they don't, match up with the gospel, talking through um, why we should reject that. Because at the end of the day, God's word has to be the ultimate authority on everything we do. And from the truth that we find in his word, that should spur us on uh, by the amazing grace that's been extended to us to go out and love other people and share this information, hopefully in a loving way, not in a cage stage way. And so with that, uh, with your permission, gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up and thank our listeners for joining us here today. I'm so excited to get started on this and jump into the Institutes with you both next week. Um, So with that, I'll go ahead and sign off and thank everyone for tuning in to Tiptoe Through the Tulips. And until next week, keep persevering. (laughs) 